What you doing? I'm running out of space on my phone, so I'm deleting some stuff. Bye, singing dog. Bye, goal. I pronounce you. Bye, wedding ceremony. Stop. At Metro PCS, you get two free phones with twice as much memory. Really? Don't say bye to your memories. Switch to Metro PCS and get two free LG K20 Plus phones with 32 gigs when you switch two lines. Metro PCS. Wireless. Figured out. Coverage not available in some areas. Sales tax not included in phone price. Excludes numbers on the T-Mobile network. See store for details and terms and conditions. You are Locked On Packers, your daily podcast on the Green Bay Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you are Locked On Packers. Hello, this is Bill Huber, the publisher of PackerReport.com, part of the Scout.com Network, talking to you from Lambeau Field, following the Green Bay Packers 34-27 to victory over the Detroit Lions on Sunday. Aaron Rodgers breaks his 14-game streak with only 100 passer rating. Eddie Lacy tops 100 rushing yards. Jordy Nelson tops 100 receiving yards and scores two touchdowns in the first half. Another day of dominant run defense and another day of eh, pass defense. And here to break it all down is my colleague from Packer Report, Keith Rordank. Keith, after that Minnesota game, it was a terrible game. I think we felt pretty bad about the outcome. How do you feel tonight? How, how can we not feel better? I mean, in, in the wake of the debacle at, at U.S. Bank Stadium, I mean, we... We couldn't figure out what was wrong. Was it, was it Aaron Rodgers? Was it Jordy Nelson? Was it both? Was Rodgers slipping physically? Was he slipping mentally? Was it Olivia Munn related? I mean, <laughs> we, didn't, we didn't know what was going on. All we knew was that this was not the Packer offense we thought we were going to see. They were underachieving. They looked out of sync. They, they even said it, no rhythm, no timing. They weren't hitting the panic button. We maybe were. That's but what we do as media. That is what we do. The sky is always falling. The, and it, it, it was falling last week. It, it, it really was. And suddenly, we got, we got the equivalent of the relax, but I think delivered much more definitively on the field. And, I mean, how, how can you watch that first half and think anything's wrong with this offense? Four touchdowns from Rodgers. He had thrown three touchdowns in the first two games combined. You know, those we talked about the Minnesota game. You know, he's, he's off target. He's bailing out of the pocket. He's missing guys who are open. He's missing, I mean, missing, missing them visually and physically. Yes. Nothing. And then nothing, to, nothing at all today. And then virtually flawless. So he was, he was twelve for eighteen in the first half. But you know, let's the the last two plays of the first half. You know, one was the uh, you know I think there was a there was a overthrow and then you know something else right at the end of the half. But really, I, I mean, it was. It was really almost perfect, and everything he couldn't do last week, he was doing this week. He saw guys. He, he, you know, he stayed behind his protection. He found guys. Every throw was spot on. You know, Nelson, he was hitting over the shoulder in the end zone. He was throwing short. He was throwing deep. He was throwing out. He was throwing over the middle. He was running with the ball. I mean, he, he again, if we, if we questioned out of him and Sam Bradford which guy looked like the two-time MVP and Super Bowl <laughs> champ last week, it, it seems preposterous because there was – there was no mistaking who Aaron Rodgers was this week, and, and he was who we, who we knew him to be. It was uh, that the first drive was, the first drive was impressive. It was, it was a lot of bang-bang passes, a lot of three-step, I shouldn't say a lot, but there's a few three-step passes in there. It seemed like, I don't know if it's just the way it worked out or if it was a conscious effort to do it, but it looked like there was a, an effort to get Mac- from McCarthy to get Rodgers off and running from the get-go. I think so, and and again, you know, this is their this is their first time back home. You go back to the preseason. I mean, it's it's been what a, a month since they've been home. So I think, you know, it, it definitely was 
felt like home sweet home. You know, they, they come into the friendly confines of Lambeau Field. I mean, they've got the crowd cheering for them. People are, you know, dis- despite the, the hand-wringing and, and gut-wrenching and, and, you know, talk amongst us and, and fans over the past week, I mean, yeah, McCarthy had a game plan to come out and, and get Rodgers, just get him on early in the game. And, I mean, you know, hitting Cook, hitting Cobb, you know, getting Nelson involved. So, again, everything felt like it was clicking. And, again, it was that it was the rhythm and the timing that this offense, it's, it's kind of been their, their staple and their hallmark. But that even in Jacksonville, you know, we didn't see it, and we certainly didn't see it in Minnesota. Talk about rhythm, rhythm and timing. First drive, third and five. Rodgers drops back real quick, throws, fires a bullet right in front of Jared Cook for 15. A couple plays later, it's the uh, touchdown pass to Adams again, again, another. Actually, before that, it was Rodgers trusts his protection, eventually moves to his right to kind of extend the play, but it wasn't a panic move to the right. He was just kind of in the flow of things. He uh, bullet the cop for 33, and then right in stride to Adams for the touchdown. And then the second drive, they put, they put Nelson in the slot. Someone gets Nelson against a linebacker. He throws it to Nelson right inside for a gain of 49. It was like, this is the Aaron Rodgers that we've seen for, for two MVPs and, and a Hall of Fame sort of career. Absolutely. And, and, and again, it's, it's exploiting the matchups. It's seeing that. You know, again, the play to, the play to Cobb, you know, he, he scrambled to his right and he, he saw Cobb going down the right sideline and he hit him. But, but again, it's, it's the strategic running versus the, you know, and I don't want to say panic running, but again, what we saw in Minnesota was him drifting away from his coverage, mm-hmm. stepping up when he probably should have stepped back, maybe looking like he didn't want to get hit in Minnesota against that defense. But, I mean, he hung in the pocket, and and again, everything he did looked like the the Aaron Rodgers of old. And he, you know, I think he connected with, of those 12 completions in the first half, six went to, did six go to Nelson? Were they on the first half? Yeah, six Nelson on the first half. but, But also, six total receivers. So, I mean, he was getting everyone involved, and he was distributing the ball. And I think... That's something he did too. He had command of the offense. You didn't know where he was going to go, but he knew where he was going to go, and and he was definitely you know getting up on guys like like Darius Slay. And again, if you're going to put a linebacker on Nelson, I mean, good luck with that. You know, I remember McCarthy on Monday after the Vikings game, then again on Wednesday said they needed to attack the middle of the field more often. It is sorry for the world's best preview. In the first two weeks, 54% of Aaron Rodgers' passes went to the left side of the field. 54%. It was, a, it was a one-handed offense. Again, that first drive, you know, there's the pass. Cooks line up on the right side of the field. That goes up slant over the middle for the gain. Randall Cobb to the right. Um, middle of the pass to the touchdown was to Adams. Um, again, the middle of the field to, on that big gainer to Nelson. It, it, was a, it was a more diversified attack than throw it left, throw it left, throw it left. And I think, I think well, it's, you know, you don't have to go to offensive coordinator school if you can stretch the defense every which direction and make it predictable. Obviously, it's a, it's a big benefit. I think so. And in, in that touchdown to Adams, you know, we hit him in the middle. And, you know, again, we talked about timing being off last week, throwing behind guys, overthrowing guys in the middle. I mean, here he throws it in stride. He's got, he's got trips right. He's got Cook on his left. Adams is, uh, is the in-between guy with Cobb on his left, Nelson to the right further outside. So Adams basically in the slot makes that quick cut over the middle. And again, Rodgers hits him in stride ahead of uh, Quandre Diggs. So, I mean, just a, just a great play. And again, that's, that's the expectation that's there for Rodgers. And, you know, I, I almost feel like we need to say, too, for as much as we, as we were getting down on really all things Packer offense after last week, you know, we also, after that Jacksonville game, we're talking about how that, 
that pass from Rodgers to Adams was one of the best plays we had ever seen maybe Rodgers making his career. So it's it's really been up and down, but I think this is, the again, the first time in three weeks that you've seen him do all the Rodgers-esque things over, you know, certainly a half. And, again, the, the dynamic of the game changed in the second half when they really just didn't get the opportunities. But, I mean, when you can destroy a defense like that in the first half, you don't, you don't have to do a whole lot in the last two quarters. Talk about great passes. How about that 66-yard interference penalty? Oh, my God. He threw that ball 71 yards in the air. And according to ESPN stats and information, that is the longest pass interference penalty since ESPN started keeping data in 2001, I think, uh, coming to see for seven, which isn't a surprise because how many quarterbacks can throw the ball 71 yards? <laughs> oh, my God. No kidding. Yeah, and that, uh, you know, and that set up that, that, next, uh, that next scoring play. But, uh, you know, and again, Vintage Rodgers, it's, it's taking advantage of a defense. It's getting them in, in disadvantageous situations, whether it's a matchup, whether it's the interference. And, yeah, I mean, he, he, he definitely liked that. Was That, that was uh, Trevor Davis, right? Yes. Down the middle of the field. So, again, you've got the speedy young rookie just going just going deep. And Rodgers airing it out. And I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what, he, that, that ball was right there. That ball was – I thought Davis was going to lay out and get it, which would have really made for an amazing play. But instead, you know, you pick up the interference, calling it, and it, I'll, I'll be honest, I had, to, I had to watch the replay to kind of see, see the defender's hand in there. At first it just looked like maybe Davis tripped a little, like their feet might have got caught up. And if you recall, it was the late flag mm-hmm. from, the, uh, from the umpire over the middle at the back of the end zone. The sideline guy, I think, was looking, was looking at their feet and maybe didn't see it. But uh, – you know, I think from the, the back of the end zone, you could see that hand coming around. So, ended up being a good call. And then, of course, they get the score. They get the score following that. Yeah, Richard, so. Richard Rodgers then. They go up 28. They go 31-3 to late in the half on the uh, great third and two touchdown pass to Nelson against Darius Slay. I remember that game here last year where uh, Rodgers threw like a 6 billion passes to Devonta Adams. He threw exactly one toward Darius Slay that whole game. So, I thought that was noteworthy, too, that it was best against best and. uh a. Nelson beat their best guy, and Rodgers threw a great pass for the touchdown there. Yeah, I mean, he, you know, he, he, got ahead of, he got ahead of Slay. He was on kind of that right edge of the end zone, and he was lined up outside. Again, Cobb on his left. And, and uh, the Lions had everybody up on that play. I don't know if you, if you remember that defense. So I don't, I don't know if that's a little bit of maybe they're throwing a little shade at, at Aaron Rodgers, saying, hey, we're, gonna, we're, not, we're not leaving anybody back. You want to, you know, you think you can beat us, beat us. And, you know, sure enough. Beautiful, right over, right over Nelson's right shoulder, going right into the end zone. It was, he put the ball where only Nelson was going to get it. And again, it was a, it was a great play. So if uh, you know, I, I want to go back. To, you made a really good point there. This is how defenses. You mentioned that how Detroit, Detroit, like McCarthy calls him Detroit. Detroit, <laughs> I see it all the time. You've gone to too many press conferences, Bill. So, but how did teams defend the Packers last year without Nelson? Oh, right. yeah. They just sold out. They, they, they did not care about them, the deep game. And no. after what you saw against Jacksonville and Minnesota, I don't think anything changed at that point. I don't think anyone cared about the deep game because they didn't, Nelson hadn't shown that they could be anybody deep. So I think it's a good point that Detroit didn't care that Rodgers could possibly throw it deep to Nelson against Slay, and by God, he did, and they got a touchdown out of it. So maybe that's a good sign, you know, judging by Nelson's reaction. I mean, I, yeah, yeah, too. I think so. And, and again, you know, we, you know, that was a that was a, a talking point in the locker room after the game that Nelson showing a, a little bit more of a uncharacteristic reaction than, than we usually see out of him. And, and maybe that's what this team needs too, you know, and, and Randall Cobb was talking about that, that, you know, they get, they get so focused on, you know, make the catch, hand the ball to the official onto the next that, 
you know, maybe they do need to stop and, and relish a little bit of those little successes that they're having, especially when, you know, and Cobb acknowledged it. He said, hey, he said, we hear everything. We see everything. And he's talking about the media and he's talking about the conversations that are going on where people are wondering, you know, what what the hell is wrong with this offense like we talked about last week. And, you know, Cobb said, we know you're trying to do a job, but we are too. And, and again, they, you know, they they shouldn't worry in the locker room the way that fans worry outside of it and the way that, that, you know, members of the media talk about it. I mean, they shouldn't worry. They're professionals. They know how to get it fixed. And, you know, Cobb talked about, you know, they have that laser focus at practice. And, I mean, you'd, you'd, you'd love to hear what gets said because, again, these guys have shown they can do it in the past. And you, you just scratch your head and shake your head when they don't do it. And then they come out and they do it again. And you're like, all right, well, here it is. We can't talk about the offense without talking about Eddie Lacy. I mean, if you're going to – this is the team's formula, right? I mean, as good as Rodgers can be and as good as he was um, tonight or this afternoon, you, you can't do it without a running game. And it would look like a vintage Eddie Lacy against the, the hapless Lions at times. Oh, man, and he had some huge holes to run through yes. sometimes too. I mean, you know, I was like to say you or I could have got, you know, three or four yards. On Maybe it. three for me. Maybe. And, Especially and two, after today's lunch. And two for me. <laughs> <laughs> Two for me. I, I didn't need all those cheese curds. I, uh, no, I, I, I will have a heart attack in the press box. <laughs> I picked, it, was, it was the beef tips and then, oh, the omelet bars open. I, that was my downfall. Beef tips were outstanding. But, but uh, <laughs> hey, yeah, I feel like any conversation about Eddie Lacy where yeah. we segue into what we ate in the press box is Logical. Perfe- perfectly acceptable because I feel like Eddie would probably like to come up at halftime and join us. You know, if um, Golden Corral wants to, to sponsor this podcast, that would be okay. They really, Just saying. <laughs> they really should. But he had some huge holes. But, yeah, again, just, you know, running through and making some cuts. And I, I can't remember what play it was. But I just, I, you know, I don't want to, I don't want it, to, it's a bad podcast if people just hear me rattling my notes. But I wrote the words channeling beast mode because if you remember the play, Eddie came through, he broke a leg tackle, he kind of shoved a guy aside, and he had somebody come right up to him near the Packers' sideline, and he kind of just bowls into him just pulls into him with his chest and jars him back and then takes his hand and is just pushing him out of bounds as he goes out of bounds. And, I mean, that's what you want to see. And he had he had 42 yards in the first half, you know, while Rodgers was picking him apart. And then once they had that big lead and they, I think, you know, again, the opportunities weren't there when Detroit was coming back. But also strategically, Green Bay wanted to run the ball a little more. And, and Lacey had 11 carries for, uh, you know, I think 64 yards in the second half or 61, 64, something like that. So, yeah, I mean, that's that's what you want to see. That's when this offense is really clicking. I mean, teams don't want to respect Rodgers. Then he starts picking them apart. Then things loosen up in the middle. Then you get, you know, the, the big bowling ball busting through there. So that's, you know, that's that's what this team needs to do. I think one last thing on the offense, you know, they, they failed miserably at crunch time against the Vikings. With the two turnovers, you know, today, whether, you know, it's three and a half minutes left. The Lions have all three timeouts. They've got momentum. You know, Rodgers on the third and eight runs for 11 for a first down, and then Lacey rips their defense for another first down, and then they take three knees in the game. So I think, I think that can't help but hurt, or can't help but hurt, can't help but help these guys that, you know, closing out a game like that after coming up strong against Minnesota. So that's, that's my, uh, my, my biggest positive from, from well, tonight. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Rodgers, you know, he, 22 yards rushing, you know, we're, we're taking off a few at the end there for the kneel downs, but you know, that, that run at the end was a, you know, I think it was a third and eight and he mm-hmm. ran for 11 yards and he keeps the chains moving and, and that allows for the kneel down. But 
I mean, that's that's the extra dimension of him too, where if the defense is going to turn their backs on him, he's going to make them pay. And, you know, he had a, he had that 11-yarder, he had a 14-yarder, he actually had a 19-yard a run that was negated by a holding penalty, and then he came back and ran 14 for a first down. So, or, or for almost a first down. Yeah, they, they got, they got him in the Crosby's field range. So yeah. that, was, that was a huge but play. Yeah, so that was, you know, it, his, his legs of all things, you know, after he torched him with his arm in the first half, his legs set up the three points in the, in the second half, in the third quarter on that, uh, on that only possession. So and it's, uh, it's great to see. Again, clearly, clearly he wasn't worried. We all were. He weren't. He wasn't. And he, you know, and in typical Rogers fashion, you know, I don't know, is it, is it, uh, you know, I don't know what the right word for it is, aloof or dismissive, but, you know, he, he wants no part of, you know, I asked him if, uh, if the offense was back and, you know, he, he gave me a, you know, you know. That's who, up for you guys, who, is that what he said? Oh, it, it was basically the, uh, the, you know, who, who gives a crap about, uh, about the offense, you know, we're just about winning games and, and uh, here, where, where is the, let's, uh, let's actually, let's actually find the quote on this one. It was, uh, here we are. I don't think anybody gives a, you know what, if the offense is back or not. That was a, that was in response to my question, but I would actually say that every single person <laughs> ever, every single person that likes, hates, writes about, reads about anything about the Packers cared if the offense yes. was back. I mean, you know, it's title town. There's Super Bowl aspirations every year. You can't, you can't eke out wins. You can't, you know, it's not just the win. It's not just the win. It's the quality of the win. That is, that is where the bar has been set, and that's how people judge it around here. So, I would, uh, I would take them to task and say, everybody, everybody cares about it. everybody outside the the room in quotes, inside twelve sixty five Lombardi cares about if the offense is back. So he can, he can certainly dismiss it. But I mean, I think, I think you know, you were there. Um, I, I think it's fair to say he was a little, little annoyed at all the, uh, all the questions about it during the week. I mean, yes, he was. It's a lot of scrutiny for him. I don't think he's used to that. So. No, and he's your fancy football quarterback. I, I think that needs to be pointed out <laughs> he for, the, for the record. But I was playing a guy that had Jordy Nelson, Bill, so it negated everything. <laughs> but okay, yeah, even when he plays well, I can't win on my mm-hmm. fantasy team. Uh, yeah, that was, uh, that was quite the answer by him because everyone cares. I mean, this is why this team's. A, if, you, if your quarterback hit, if your quarterback stinks, you've got no chance to win football. I, you know, Brad Johnson, the Buccaneers, is a thousand years ago. It might as well been a thousand years ago. If you have no quarterback, you've got no chance unless you're the Patriots. Oh, but that's a that's a different podcast for a different day. <laughs> hey, let's move to talk about the defense. Um, I you know I think I think the Packers defense needs to be taken to task here. Today was their worst game of the year. They gave up 50 rushing yards and 2.2 yards per carry. Horrible. What a bunch of jokers. Horrible, that defense horrible performance. What, <laughs> is, hey, paper what, is tiger. Wrong, what is wrong with them? Paper Tiger. They're a sham. And that is unbelievable. When you're, when you're talking 2.2 yards is the biggest output of the year, that's, uh, that's pretty darn good. And you know what? I, I realize it's a, it's a quarterback-driven league and all that nonsense, but at some point you still got to play run defense, and if you can do run defense, everything else is going to work out. If you can, I mean, it's it's not cliche. If you make a team one-dimensional, you make them predictable. That doesn't mean they're not going to beat you, and a good quarterback who's forced to throw the ball will still beat you know a fair number of teams. But what they're do, what the Packers front line and, and front seven are doing is ridiculous. And again. Look at the guys, you know, you had, you know, let's, let's backtrack here. B.J. Raji suddenly takes a hiatus. Mike Pinnell gets suspended. 
Latroy Guyon has a great summer and preseason, gets hurt. So you're throwing guys like Kenny Clark into the mix and Christian Ringo into the mix and Dean Lowry into the mix. And aside from Clark's pedigree, like, who are these other guys? I mean, even Pinnell, who, you know, everybody was, oh, Pinnell's suspended. I mean, who is, who is Mike Pinnell? I mean, Mike Pinnell was an undrafted guy out of what? Colorado State that came along? No, Colorado the- Pueblo. Don't give him that. Don't give him that. Pueblo. I was trying to give him a scholarship That's there. Right. But, but, I mean, he's a guy that, you know, he played himself into being a, a known name, in a known, not no name, in Packer Nation. But, I mean, it's it's been Mike Daniels, and it's been just a bunch of young kids running around there. And, and again, you and I were standing talking to Mike Daniels after the locker room had cleared out, and just what a what a pleasure it is to talk to a guy like that. So tough, so intense, but but well spoken. A guy who just he's he's so articulate, and you just you feel his will to win when he's just sitting there talking to you. I mean, you just he looks you in the eye, and you, when you're asking him, you know, what do you what do you do with these young guys? And he's like, you know, I just you know, he talked about how he's having a bigger voice now and how he's kind of that veteran leader. And he just, he just tells them, you know, how important it is and how hard they have to play. And you can, you can just imagine the intensity of those conversations and it's paying dividends. I mean, I've not, I mean, man, do we have to go back to the, the front four of, of Reggie White, Gilbert Brown, Santana Dotson, and Sean Jones to have a front four that just shut down the, the opposing offenses run like this. I, I can't, I'm struggling to think of anything in the last 20 years that I've seen like this. Yeah, they didn't. Capers' first year was 2009, and they set the franchise record for, I believe it was fewest yards per carry. And then they got ran out of the playoffs through against Kurt Warner in that, in that shootout. But, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's. The line is pretty amazing. First on, on Daniels, three things about him. One, he's my son's favorite player because he met him at the National Railroad Museum once. <laughs> Two, after he signed his big contract, he actually thanked for us reporters, us local guys. I'm like, what the hell did I do? <laughs> That's uh, that needs to be written down somewhere. Yes, and then three, and this is the cool thing is, he's a fourth round draft pick, and Mike Pinnell was undrafted as you pointed out, and Guyan was a free agent who didn't cost them anything, and they got Christian Ringo who was a sixth round pick last year in a practice squad guy. Brian Price is a practice squad guy last Dean year Lowry. or this year. Dean Lowry's a fourth round pick, so they've got all these no names. But yet they miss on Jarrell Worthy in the second round and, and Kyrie Thornton in the third round. It's like the, when Thompson's invested in his top picks, it doesn't, hasn't necessarily panned out, but somehow they've cobbled together a damn good line, and those guys are, those guys are playing across the line of scrimmage. Oh, they just, and I mean, you, you see that fire and you see that intensity. And I mean, there was, you know, uh, Daniels burst through the line on that one play and just about got. Matt Stafford, and I think you ask him after the game, you know, what he said to him, and he, something like, you're slippery, you know, but, I mean, he knew he was coming, and it's just, again, it's, I also have a, and I, I also have Theo Riddick on my fantasy team, I was forced to start him today, Bill, <laughs> just, to, just to compound the misery, and at one point he had, uh, what did he have, nine carries for minus 11 yards? It's I mean, almost I, impossible. It's, it's almost impossible, had we not seen it, but I mean, I mean, they were, and, and of course, he's starting for Amir Abdullah. I mean, he's not their primary guy, but still, I mean, when you're holding an NFL caliber running back to to that kind of ridiculous negative yardage total, I mean, it speaks volumes about what they're doing. And then I think, you know, you've got 
Jake Ryan and Blake Martinez, a rookie, and, and Joe Thomas playing behind them and, and filling in the hole and filling in the gaps and making stops and hitting guys in the open field. And that's all keyed by what they're able to do in front. So it's a... Uh, it's amazing to see, hopefully. But but I, I, I got a feeling, though, what's coming up next is how we're going to talk about that once we get beyond the linebackers, the uh, <laughs> that that impact of the D-line is, is, is definitely lessening. Yeah, well, I want one more thing on that, though. Detroit's offensive line, three first-round picks, two third-round picks, and Daniel's pointed that out a couple times to us. That, that's a, it's a lot of resources to use. It's a lot of high draft picks, Tota guys, and Green Bay's. Taylor, Taylor uh Yeah, Decker. Taylor Decker got his... Almost said a word that rhymes with grass kicked. Um, I probably could though. Off podcast. I think you can. Well, and, he and, got destroyed. Perry beat him for two six. In fact, he beat him for one. He also uh, tackled Nick Perry for a holding call once. So not a good day for Mister Decker. <laughs> and and you know be, before we move on, um, we were just be, before we uh, started in on this podcast, we were talking about Nick Perry and how well he's playing, and really how well he's been playing since that Washington playoff game last year. I mean, that was a game where I think. You know, that was where he separated himself. If they were looking at, okay, are we going to, you know, we've got Mike Neal, we've got Nick Perry, you know, how evenly are they? I think outside the organization, a lot of us looked at it and said, well, okay, you've got Perry that's younger, but he's been hurt. You've got Neal that's older, but he's been healthier. Their production was about the same. Which way are they going to go? I mean, once again, kudos to Ted Thompson and company because they went Perry and it, it looks like a genius move. And you know, again, I said before we uh, before we kicked in with the podcast here, I wouldn't be shocked if this keeps up. If you know Perry's a guy whose deal gets done pretty soon, because I don't think they want a guy like that at his age with what he's shown so far to be hitting the open market. You're right about that. You know, Julius Peppers is going to be a free agent. He's probably at the end of his year too, and mm-hmm. you know, Dayton Jones is a free agent. So if you're going to keep playing those elephant guys, you got to probably pick one at some point. And you know, one thing Nick Perry's always done is play the run. I've had to stat a thousand times at Pack Report, but you take the NFL has got the stats and if you take it's called yards against average and if you take when the difference the difference on a running play between Nick Perry's in the game and when he's off the field it's been about a yard per carry the last two years he's been the number one ranked outside linebacker just based on hope that made sense a basis of yards per carry on versus off the field so he's been a a real butt kicker against well, the run. And yeah, now, now that you're second his, quarterback. It speaks to his impact being on the field, being on that defense, and just, you know, what he's, not just what he's doing personally, but what his what his presence on the field does to impact the other 10 guys. All right, let's talk about that other thing. If it's going to be third and long the whole game, which Jeez. it's going to be if it's if you're destroying the run game, it's, it's going to be second and long and third and long, and this should play into your favor. And this is three weeks in a row. Well, I think they did okay against Portals, but Bradford killed them, and, and then Stafford. Let a big comeback today, too. Uh, your level of concern about that pass defense, Keith? I mean, pretty big concern because I, I don't know what I'm seeing on, on a Demarius round. Now, I'm gonna get, that ball he pulled off of Eric Ebron's chest and took off with. That was a that was a legit play. I mean that that was a that was a great, just smart, heads up, aggressive play. That's about the only compliment I can throw his way. Mike McCarthy well, said he played good. I was uh, I weeks. should have followed up on that. I I mean, again, maybe I don't understand what his job is as a cornerback, but uh, <laughs> I don't know if that I would say he played good. I think I think they really struggled. Again, you've got you've got Shields out, you've got Burnett out. Um, Kentrell Bryce came up and made one of the one of the best form tackles you'll ever see. He's a hell of a player. He, he came up and he got he got Jones, he locked those hands under under his butt and had a shoulder into him and just, just planted him. Um 
you had that play, you had the Randall pick. There were there were some good plays made, but overall, I mean, that's that's been the shaky position group, and the the trickle down with Shields out of the lineup has been far more troubling than I would have thought. I mean, I, I think coming into the season, you know, Bill, you and I talked about, you know, that was you know, probably their deepest position. I think it was not, you know, deep not just in numbers, but deep in what we thought were really quality guys. You know, I felt like Rollins was going to take that next step. I thought after Randall's rookie year, you know, he was really coming into his own. And instead, over three games, we've seen those two in particular really struggle. And and I would say I thought HaHa Clinton Dix had a really strong game against Jacksonville. But, you know, I, I don't know if that he – had the opportunity to make too many plays at Minnesota, and I, I didn't see him do too much this week. And and if he's a guy that's looking at, you know, kind of the Pro Bowl as his goal, you know, I think he, he needs to step up as well. But there there wasn't a lot to like about the secondary. You know, Rand, I thought Randall's really good against Jacksonville, but to me, you know, to take Rodgers out of the equation here. To me, he's the most important player on this team going forward. Demarius Randall, he if he picks Until it up, Fields comes back. Well, I mean, I, I think if. If he can't play better than this, I don't think his team has any chance. I think this defense is almost, he's almost the key to it all. If he plays like he did for most of last season, they're going to be fine. Mm-hmm. And if he doesn't, I just can't see them getting to where they want to go. And I go back to last year, I go back to that uh, the San Diego game when, when Phillip Rivers had you know over 500 yards passing, but Randall at the end of that game made the play of the game when he, you know, he jumped in front of, I thought it might have been Keenan Allen, to make that a uh, to make that game saving play to to knock that away, but yeah, he's just I don't know I I don't know what to think about him anymore. I mean my my confidence is a little shaken, but yeah I don't I don't think you're overestimating when you say he's he's kind of holding the key because I don't know if that you can ask Mike Daniels in the defensive front and in you know really anybody on the front seven to do more than what they've done. But you know again it's worth noting that you know Guyon's out. Um, Matthews was out. Burnett's out. Shields is out. That's a lot of guys mm-hmm. out. So I mean, all of the, you know, did they hold the fort enough? I mean, I I guess. And again, when you've when you've got your quarterback throwing four first half touchdowns, you know, that certainly gives you gives you a lot of ground to play with. But yeah, I mean, they they can't do that every week. You've uh, look at the quarterbacks coming up after the bye. It's Eli Manning with the Giants. Then Dallas, with, you know, without Romo, so maybe cross them off the list. In Chicago, maybe they'll have Cutler, maybe they won't. Atlanta, you got Matt Ryan. Indianapolis, Andrew Luck. Tennessee, Mariota, who may or may not be going to go at that point. Washington, Kirk Cousins. Carson Wentz at the Eagles. And then you go into December, you got uh, Russell Wilson. Then rematches against Bradford and Stafford. This is a, just a lot of good quarterbacks on that schedule. And they, they're going to have to tighten up the ship here, I would think, at some point soon. Absolutely. And, and again, I don't... You know, if, if McCarthy thinks Randall had a good game and they've got the bye week coming up, maybe there's maybe there's some things they can – maybe it's more fine-tuning. I mean, they can't – you know, they're not going to pull Randall out of the lineup. And, Get no one else to put in for him. Right. And, and we don't – you know, when Randall came out briefly and they put Josh Hawkins in, the undrafted free agent, I, I, I feel like I saw Hawkins make one good play and then and then give give one up. Yeah, but uh, yeah. If, if you're going to give up a catch like Hawkins, then you better tackle the guy. And then he, he didn't do either. Uh, well, you know, and again for the for the second week in a row, it was Rand, Randall stumbling again, right? Yeah, and that second touchdown. Yeah, he yeah, just tripped and fell on and something. That, that happened last week too. So I don't, you know, is that a is that a fundamental thing? Is that a you know sit down and have him watch the film? And is there, 
you know, again, is there some little refinement that helps him to get back to that form? Because I don't, I don't think he can have the season he had last year and then, you know, suddenly regress, although it was a, you know, I, I hope we're not seeing the defensive equivalent of the Devontae Adams sophomore slump. You're right. The, you know, the, it's, it's a pass first league, and if you can't play pass defense, you're going to be in trouble. So, but, you're, but you're right. You're going to get Clay Matthews back. You know, Burnett's the glue guy back there. And, once, when, and with Burnett back, that gets Clinton Dix more into coverage than he was today. So maybe, maybe it all works together. But those corners are going to have to pick it up. You can't, you know, you can, you can get more pressure from your front seven. I think you can, you can you know, shade guys and, and slide some things. But, but ultimately, I mean, you know, corners are really out on an island, and they have to be they have to be able to fend for themselves, or it's going to be a long afternoon. Keith, it's been a long afternoon here too. Go home. <laughs> it has been a long. And is it still raining out, Bill? I don't know. I don't know. Um, maybe not. Well, it's a good day. It was uh, sunny here at Lambeau Field, everybody. This has been the Locked On Packers podcast with Keith Rodink and Bill Huber from Pack Report. Have a great day, everybody, and I will talk to you tomorrow. Is democracy in danger or decline? Condoleezza Rice, William Galston, and Carlos Gutierrez and others take on this question in the fall edition of The Catalyst, a journal of ideas from the Bush Institute. Surveys show Americans place less trust in institutions like the media and business. Others contend America has faced far more challenging periods and emerged strong. Leading policymakers, Bush Institute experts, and respected journalists take on this debate. Read about it at bushcenter.org catalyst.